You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. It's five o'clock in the morning. You've just pissed on a dumpster. It's Miller time. Oh, he got hit! Look at the finish The return to glory. We will not be intimidated. We will not back down. Let's go! All right. Welcome back. Drink and think with Dak and Dave. Uh, for those of you that are just joining us, welcome to the family. Yes, sir. Think Nation. We're all about beer life sports or whatever variation, wherever beer sits within that priarchy uh, and priority. Uh, triarchy. I like yeah. it. We're using $10 words. And welcome. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to drink a lot of beer. We're going to talk a lot of sports. Let's start with beer life sports, beer sports. I don't even know where we rank them, but I know I put beer probably towards the top. I don't know. They, uh, the synchronization between beer and sports, like it's like, oh. so yeah. we're going to start with beer. And what beer are you drinking? Uh, right now, I am, I'm doing the opposite of probably what I should, but I'm starting with something that I, is not that good. And I'm, and I'm steadily going up in the levels of goodness. So I have Oscar Blues Brewing Company. Uh, their lager and did you say oscar yeah a-o-s-k-a-r i don't think it's oscar i don't think it's oscar because it's a-r not e-r oscar oscar blues whatever oscar oscar whatever i'm not sure have you had this beer oscar blues they didn't give a freaking pronunciation guide on this thing anyways uh it's okay uh not like not great. Really? From Colorado. Which one, which one is it? Oscar Lager Oscar. from Oscar Blues. Oscar, Oscar. Oh, it's from... It's brewed and canned in either Colorado, North Carolina, or Austin. One of the They've got a couple locations, yep. I don't know where their original one is. I want to say it's in North Carolina, but I'm, I'm not certain. Anyways, uh, it's decent. It's like a decent lager. It's a little bit, it's a little like kind of bitter hoppy at the end, which is what you would probably want from your traditional lager. Um, and, but I have another one lined up, which is their hazy blues, which is a juicy IPA. And that is very good. So, uh, we'll start off with the, uh, it'll work type thing, get the night started and we will progressively move up all the way to uh, the Mind Haze IPA from Firestone Walker, uh, which okay. is a very, very good. Are we just going with naming beers and going very good? Average, good, very good, very, yeah. very good. Dave's take on beer. Yeah, That's I fine. am. A, I fine. partake. I am. I I'm an expert only in the amount of beer I partake in, not necessarily in my opinion of those beers. Okay. Well, let's hit on 
we'll do one now. We'll do one later. I want to hit on that Firestone later because I'm a big Firestone Walker fan. And I lied. They originally started in Colorado. So way to go, Jack. Um, I'm going to keep it local this week because I thought I had run out of all local beers here in Arkansas, but they keep putting out a few more. Um, right now, I am on the Bear State Golden Lager by Ozark Beer Company. Uh, tend to like Ozark Beer, pretty cool company. They, they have some, some solid beers. This is... Uh, it's, I would not call it like a classic lager. This beer, you know, by lagering, like it is a lager yeast strain. It is fermented at lower temperatures, takes a little longer to ferment, yada, yada, yada for the lagering. Um, but this isn't like, in my opinion, a quintessential lager, how it kind of comes out. It's really got like some almost like over the top, um, like biscuity, cracker to it like it you can really get that malt flavor hold on stand by hold on dax working on the mouthfeel of the beer uh well and you're not in. wrong i mean there's almost a mouthfeel here that i i feel should not be in this beer mentioned on the podcast lingers yep there you go uh and it kind of lingers which i don't really like there's almost like some estuary kind of fruity stuff that lingers at the backside and I, I don't like that i like my lagers to be clean crisp crushable you know the three c's and then it you taste it and then it's gone and then you drink more and this one just kind of hangs around so it's uh it's definitely drinkable definitely a good beer just maybe out of style for me i don't know but in the you know in the words of dave i'm gonna crush it i'm gonna drink it we ain't pouring this shit out and That's i right. don't pour it in, i don't pour it in a taster either i'm gonna drink the whole can we don't drink testers. We don't testers, pour testers, and waste out yeah. beer. We waste just out. drink it. And if we didn't like it, maybe we won't drink that one again. Before we move on from beer, though, I got a couple of a couple of things I want to throw in there. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit a plug. We've got a lot to cover tonight. I mean, we've got a lot of sports. CFP just released like a couple hours ago. You know, right before we recorded, a lot of stuff happened last week in sports, but. I'm going to plug my beer that we're going to talk about hopefully extensively next week. I've got that English style honey ale that I made. I tasted it tonight. It is going to be an absolutely fantastic beer. Like the, the head on that, the, the retention, the foam so thick, um, but it needs a little more time. I think another, you know, let's say five days, it's going to be just studly. So we'll, we'll talk about it in detail next week. So stay tuned for that. And then my last beer topic I want to talk about, I want to give a shout out to my boy, Tim. I received last night, maybe the night before, no, last night, maybe the coolest package I've ever received in my entire life. And I've got some cool packages over the years. This one was full of beer stuff. He and I send, you know, send beer stuff. We're big into beer together and talk about it a lot. Pretty much that's all we talk about. Um, he was a good buddy of mine from when we served together in, in, uh, upstate New York, he sent me a package with stickers from all the breweries he's been to, which is badass. Point one, two inside this fortunate bastard got to go to Germany. He went to Oktoberfest in Germany, hit all kinds of like OG German breweries. It's gotta be on our list, dude. We've got to do it someday. But in that package, he sent me a 
uh, a piner from Paul Landers, like the brewery Paul Landers. And if you haven't had a Paul Landers, like stop listening to the podcast right now, go find a Paul Landers. Like it's that time of year that that brewery crushes. They've been doing it for like a thousand freaking years. My question to you, do I drink it or do I put it on the mantle? Like put it in the beer cave when the house is finished. Cause I want to drink it, but it's so cool and like sentimental and, you know, just like a, a good talking point. What would you do with it? What I would do is I would save it for a time and moment when it's like, You've gotten everything done. You're tired. You're at the house by yourself. And it's just like you feel accomplished. And you can just sit back on the porch, look out, and just sip on and appreciate it for, you know, for all of its greatness. And then keep the can or the bottle and then put that on the mantle. Okay. You're not the first person to recommend drink it, but keep the can. So I got to, I got to contemplate it. Um, I will say, I, I appreciate the saving it for a good day. I've got to save it for a good day or drink it because it's a bad day beer. I usually do that with the Julius, which we've talked about a couple weeks ago. It's either, holy shit, I've had a great day or man, I need a Julius kind of day. And mm-hmm. the rate at which I drink said Julius depends on good or bad. So, you know. Gotcha. All right. For those that did not necessarily join to talk about beer. Uh, Let's get into some sports, specifically football, because we got football from now and we're recording on November 1st until November 23rd. So nonstop, tenuous football action for everyone to enjoy and partake in leading into the holidays. Yeah, and we're about a week into that. I mean, it was like a solid month straight of football every night. I mean, it's like the most wonderful time of the year. Like, I mean, how do you beat that? We're betting every night. We're watching football every night. Plus or minus a beer every night. I mean, you tell me, Uh, but yeah, it's a good time. And I mean, there's just all the sports, you know, you throw a hockey game somewhere in there, you got the world series going on. Like it's a good time for sports right now. Got the world cup coming up here in the, uh, We'll get into that. We'll get into that. Don't worry. Uh, I can't wait for that to come for that to rear its head in the end of November, beginning of December when is you know, uh, football, it's at its, it's, it's pinnacle at its Zenith. And then it's no one to watch the world cup or very few people to watch the world cup comparatively. You're so, at about like a $12 word now. Yeah. I, what it was, I had a, a triarchy. Now he had Zenith, you know, Look, is uh, is is no. Bartholo- is Barcelona gonna make the cup? Uh, no, it's a World Cup, so teams don't make it. As far as club teams, it's national oh. teams. Uh, the U.S. national team it was did make it this year. Uh, so this World Cup, we did not make the last one. So the men's yeah, I don't, team I don't really care. Can you tell me but, about some football, please? In more important news. College Football Playoff Committee releases the first college football playoff top 25 rankings of this season. If you didn't catch our initial thoughts, we released them on the Drink and Think uh, Instagram, which is Drink and Think Double D. So those were kind of our initial snippets. Let's 
dive in a little bit deeper. Dak, I know that obviously the one of the big talking points is Tennessee number one. Uh, what do you think about not that Georgia makes number three and not number two? Yeah, I mean, I hit on how like, you know, proud's not the word, but like, wow, Tennessee, good for you. I think they probably deserve to be there. Um, like I said on that post, like we released uh, a week or two ago after they beat Alabama, actually, we we're like, hey, should they be number one? AP snubbed them because uh, AP's a joke in general. It's a popularity contest and not like statistically based. I'm surprised to see Tennessee at one and honestly, very surprised to not see Georgia at one. I, I call Georgia, Ohio State, no, Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio State, Michigan. Alabama, then Clemson. So that was kind of my top six. So yeah, surprised to not see Georgia at one, but maybe even more so surprised to see um, Michigan fall and Clemson to be as high as they are, as you talked about already. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. That's That's got to be the big thing. Also, Ohio State um, beating out Georgia. I know that a lot of people are going to say Georgia really doesn't have any good wins and Ohio state. They do have a win over Penn state, but I mean, their records have to be held pretty much equally in, in my mind, if not give a little lean to the sec there. So surprising that Georgia follows to number three, one of my in, initial thoughts looking at this and, you know, as I'm going through the, uh, potential uh, variations that could happen as we approach the, the final uh, top four. So let's say that Tennessee beats Georgia, right? Uh, there's, I don't okay. think there's a way that Georgia stays in the top four. No. No, because they won't go to the SEC championship game. Therefore, they can't win the SEC. Therefore... They won't beat okay. out Alabama, assuming Alabama wins out, or or LSU. Right. I, I, so I don't think with the the top tier SEC teams, if Georgia loses to Tennessee, that they'll squeak in. Let's what I about mean, let's just see an all SEC freaking college football playoff. You know, what if Georgia? What if Georgia wins? Tennessee drops. They're not going to go to the college football playoff. They they win out. They're a one loss team. That lost in Athens. And then you have an Alabama team, which the playoff committee has already snubbed, putting it them at number six. Do you think that Tennessee could sneak in maybe in that four spot at with one loss? Yes, I, I do. Which which flips the the script of the last, you know, half decade or more of college football, because that one loss team that squeaks in has been Alabama. Alabama does not look like Tennessee this year. Tennessee has, what, five top 25 wins already halfway through the season. So if you're a one-loss team with your strength of schedule, which you know I'm big about strength of schedule, with that strength of schedule and you're a one-loss team, I think you definitely could squeak in and you could see a undefeated Georgia, Tennessee, and then, you know, Ohio State, and then whatever scrub-ass ACC team sneaks in. <coughs> Clemson. Right. Yeah, exactly. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah, so this is a little bit of a deviation from the way that it's traditionally been within the SEC, where the West has been the powerhouses, and then the East has kind of 
snuck somebody in. Obviously, last year with Georgia winning the championship, that was seemed to be the anomaly. But now you have really two powerhouse teams in the East. And in the West, you've got Alabama, which is kind of a waning power. And then you've got maybe LSU is making a rise. Obviously, Ole Miss only has one loss. What are they going to be able to do with the rest of the season? Um, so it, this is this is kind of a, a different one where you I think we can be pretty confident saying Alabama or LSU or whoever that makes the SEC championship game will be the underdog pretty significantly against the Tennessee or Georgia from the East. That's going to make completely it agree. Game. It's kind of yeah, kind of flipped on its head. Normally, it's West is a powerhouse, and you have a good Georgia team or you have a good Tim Tebow Florida team or you, you know yeah. whatever but the n- numbers wise it's always the West is a powerhouse and then everybody else is trying to do the uphill fight and the yeah, it's completely flipped I mean the East looks very solid and no I completely agree with your point in that um, you could see a two-team East sneak in this year but you know time will tell will will Alabama win out that's you know that's super important Will LSU, with their record, if they went out, be able to get it, you know, get it done with the CFP? And then you've got Ole Miss, who is now a one-loss team, losing to LSU, who everyone thought was a real deal. Lost LSU, squeaked by a Texas A&M team last week. Are they going to be able to finish their season strong and be a one-loss team? So I, I think there's a lot more to kind of figure out in the West, whereas it's it's pretty clear in the East who's one and two. And then, you know, next, like we said, next Saturday is going to figure that out for the rest of the season. Yeah. Not to belabor the point. I know we've got a lot of other things to hit on, but it's pretty much a guarantee that you're going to see Tennessee or Georgia in the final four, barring like a, a, a loss to like a rando team. Even if Tennessee or Georgia makes it into the SEC championship game undefeated and they lose the SEC championship game, they are still one of those teams will still come in the top four as a one loss team. I think that's a pretty much based on these rankings. I think that's pretty much assured. Agreed. The one thing that we don't have is a two loss team that can sneak in at least with four teams going to the CFP finals. Right. So that, that definitely could change. You could see a, you know, uh, a Tennessee team that is clearly dominant, holy cow, Hendon Hooker, look at this team. They rival LSU 19, like, wow. And then they lose to Georgia somehow next week, and then, you know, they something slips up. Well, maybe they are the best team, but they would never make a, a CFP Final Four with two losses. So that, you know, yeah. looking forward to that change as well. Yeah. Um, so what other we will- surprises? Yeah, uh, we, we kind of beat that horse's ass. Yeah, um, there you go. The uh, Clemson at number four, I mean, every, it's everyone's nightmare. I mean, a team that has just survived. Uh, we already, we've already talked about this. They've survived this year. Really, the ACC, is, it's the same team every week that just like between Clemson, Syracuse, and NC State. I mean, they're all North Carolina. You can throw them in there as well. They're all just kind of there. Uh, no one really believes that they belong there i think if you played a clemson michigan game now i think michigan is probably maybe a six point favorite at least um even tcu i think clemson is it might be a pick em game so yeah this is this is a disaster this is what we always this is the problem with a 
only four teams, you get this garbage team that's going to be a conference championship and they're going to be a winner. And then, you know, they're going to sneak in and they're going to get the doors blown off of them. Typically it's Oklahoma filling that role. Uh, Notre Dame. Good news for Oklahoma fans. They suck already and we know that. So we don't have to worry about that. Notre Dame has snuck in there. And there, I think I would love to know the stat off the top of my head, but I it's it's like 30 some odd points to like over 180 points is how but how many times how outscored they are in the college football playoff. Um, but we'll move past the Clemson overranking and snubbing Michigan. Uh, and look to a couple other things that are some standouts for me. Um, number uh, some people are trying to make it out that Penn State and is snubbing Illinois because Illinois is a seven and one team. But if you look at the records, Illinois really doesn't have any quality wins. No big surprise there. Yeah. So another thing that we'll hit on and we'll just scroll to the bottom of the list. You got Texas that somehow sneaks in at five and three. And it's just this, it's the song that never ends of trying to make Texas be something that they're clearly not. Um, They have, obviously they barely lost to Alabama, you know, which is to their credit, but then they bad loss to TCU. And then they, they're just, they're not there. Their, their good wins are over an Oklahoma team. That's terrible. You know, it's, it, it just really, it's doesn't make any sense that they're the only five and three team. I'm sure there's a lot of better six and two teams and potentially even five and three teams that should be in. But for certain, in my mind, a seven and one team in Liberty that should absolutely be in this it's in the AP top 25, but didn't make the college football playoff Yep, top 25. They've got Liberty's got a win over BYU. Um, their only loss is by one point at Wake Forest, and Wake Forest is ranked number 21. So why wouldn't Liberty get the nod over a Texas team that is not there? And, you know, it's it's just this trying to prop up something. It's like the Notre Dame song all over again. I completely agree. I think that Liberty getting snubbed over a 5-3 and three Texas is banana grams, like – yeah, to your point, it's not like, yes, okay, we acknowledge Liberty does not have Malik. They are not the team that they used to be, but hold the phone. They're 7-1, and one, and it wasn't some disastrous loss. It was to a very good Wake team. So I completely agree, and, and I do think there's a lot of five and teams, uh, five and three teams out there that are probably better than Texas. I mean, I think you're riding the coattails of your quarterback here and, and the hype is overshadowing the ability, right? So, and then as a homer pick, you know, five and three Arkansas, I think Arkansas is probably a better statistically ranked team than Texas should be. I mean, they have three losses to all three ranked teams at the time that they were playing. So, yep, I mean, that's that's the story of Texas. So, but I, I, that's going to change next week, um, specifically Liberty and Arkansas. So you have a seven and one Liberty playing a five and three Arkansas. I think the winner of that game will find themselves on the CFP ranking. Yeah. Yeah. There's absolutely a good chance of that. And then, you know, you got Texas who their next schedule. So they, they lost um, at Okie state um, in, in kind of a close one. Then they're going to Kansas state. That's a loss for Texas. 
Then they're going TCU, home, but they got TCU. They could lose the next three games and, you know, be a under 500 team. And then some, but somehow the playoff committee puts them, it, it just, it doesn't I think hope. another, another team it, that probably should be up there uh, is Washington, six to two Washington. You know, they should probably have gotten the nod. Obviously they're getting snubbed uh, with this pick as well. So I guess any other thoughts on the college football playoff initial rankings, any other things stand out to you? Uh, maybe last comment is I am surprised to see so many ACC teams in there. I mean, you've got Clemson at four, you have North Carolina, you've got Syracuse, you've got Wake. Like that's, that's a lot for the ACC. Um, time will tell where those guys pan out. And then to your comment about Illinois, Illinois is not fancy. They don't score 60 points a game. But they are gritty, and you know I will fall back that I still like Brett Bielema, and I think he is a good football coach. And so I think Illinois is not dead here. Yeah, so last week, obviously, a lot of tough matchups, a lot of rivals meeting, a lot of beatdowns happening, and some happening on the field and some happening off the field. So what are your thoughts uh, about the – Michigan State, Michigan altercation. Yeah, I'm I'm not easy on this. Um, I, I take a pretty hard stance. That's as one person said, you had 60 minutes to beat their ass on the field and you couldn't do it. So you're gonna be, you know, now in my words, you're gonna be a little coward about it and, and catch them in the hallway. Uh, you know, if I were hammering the gavel down, these boys would never see a football field again. That's unacceptable behavior. You are making an ass out of yourself. You're all these kids that are looking up to you playing football. That's now, you know, looks like the standard. It, it's unacceptable. Um, I get it. Tensions are high, but you, you don't jump someone in, in the freaking tunnel, you know? And so everyone that swung a punch done everyone that watched because you're a coward done zero tolerance for shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. This, this one's tough to me. Um, on, on certainly the people that and it wasn't just like a the guy walked the wrong way and then someone kind of sucker punched him or shoved him against the wall i mean this was like dude was on the ground guys are stomping on him with cleats which the whole uh, team it was definitely a uh you know that's just assault is a criminal offense you're assaulting someone if Devonte adams can get charged in the civil court for assault, for shoving a cameraman that got in his way, then these dudes sh should not. I mean, and I know they've been suspended by Michigan State. Uh, I haven't seen like what the stipulations behind their suspension are, but I think certainly Big Ten, you 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 find the Michigan State heavily. Um, I think you put a lot of their the players that like you said, watch, they go on probation. So anything else that happens, they're out. I think that you look at, you know, obviously criminal charges for the guys that were there. Um, you know, if this, if they hit, like I said, if it had been a shove against the wall or a punch, maybe, okay. I, you know, maybe that's something where you just suspend them for a game, but this went well beyond that. 
in my humble opinion, this is 100% a leadership fail. We've talked extensively about how the big man up top influences leadership, influences culture. I get it. You're an 18-year-old full of testosterone, and you want to just break apart everything you see. You have to know what right and wrong is, and someone has to teach you things. I get people didn't come from the same background. People didn't get in their household that, you know, jumping somebody in a tunnel is wrong. It's a leadership failure. If you know your left and right limits as a player and you, you, you take that second thought and go, I better not do that because there will be consequences because the big man has taught me that, that changes everything. So to me, and that's not always the right answer. You know, we've seen very good leaders fall for shit that is way outside of their ability to influence. But to me, if your culture is right within your team, stuff like that doesn't happen. Yeah. And to your point, everyone is watching right now, not just outside of your organization, but within your organization. If somehow Michigan state is able to retain these players, suspend them for an insignificant amount of time, or even keep them on the team, you are signifying you being the leadership in the athletic director, the coach are signifying to your team you basically allowing for a standardization of deviance. Like you're allowing for those problems where you just kind of sweep them under the rug and it will eventually end up in something that will submarine your team. It's just a matter of when. So I'm the farthest from the knee jerk reactions where we go, well, this has already happened. Let's, let's fix that. Let's look good for media. To me, that's the wrong answer. Like, if you do what's right up front, stuff like this doesn't happen. So I'm not saying, like, let's suspend these guys for X amount of weeks because it looks good and we save Michigan State football program. I'm saying do the right thing up front and teach these kids what right and wrong is, and then you don't have people getting their ass beat in tunnels. So just want to throw that out there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, it was, it was bad. It looks bad for football. It looks bad for that university. Um, but there's other universities that are struggling right now. So I want to hit on the, the last kind of big thing from last week, and that is Brian Harson is gone, and Auburn is looking for a new head coach. And so I want to hit on who you think it might be, and then I might have a, a hot take. I've been thinking about this a lot and why I don't think it is a certain someone. So dive into that for me. Yeah, there's a lot of, obviously, there's a lot of big college football vacancies, you know, that are out there. You can add Auburn football into the mix here. Obviously, if you're Auburn football and certainly the athletic director, this is what you've been waiting for because you tried to fire this guy already and then finally you were able to get it done. So uh, I guess you're happy now. Um, Not really sure uh, how that's going to work out for you, you know, and with Auburn, this has just been this continual search, right. To replace uh, Gus Malzahn from back in the day and get Auburn football back to where they were and to where they have been in the past. And the, the search continues. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because we had a kind of off the air conversation about it amongst the boys and, I, I agree with who said it. I don't think Gus should have been fired. You have to 
have a realization of what you are. You are Alabama's little brother right now. That can change. However, he was a damn good football coach. He's getting stuff done. I mean, he's getting stuff done at UCF. Um, and then you replaced Gus Malzahn with Harson. Like, that's also banana land for me. But I want to hit on everybody speculating about who the next guy is going to be. And there's like uh, quite a few people on this list that are from the SEC. And I just do not understand why you would leave an SEC school where you're already established, you're already getting stuff done, you're already recruiting several years out to go to Auburn, Alabama's little brother. You have not been good since old Cam Newton. You had some years where Gus did good, but you did not peak. And now you want to steal Mike Leach. You want to steal bigger Lane Kiffin. I'll let you talk about the Kiffin thing, but that's just ignorant to me. Why would you do that? I agree. And, you know, I, I for me as an AM fan, this is where I also lump in the ideas within some of the AM community and certainly within the national media of replacing uh, Jimbo Fisher. It's like you have to appreciate your position. Okay. Brian Harson was never going to be successful. Won the there. guy. Won the guy. You, the everyone as soon as he was hired was like why why is this somehow the person to come in but i totally agree you have to understand who you are and your role and you have to bring somebody in that's a dynamic personality that's that's going to come in and be able to build a team understanding it's going to take a while and guess what auburn fans you aren't going to be a dynasty. You're not going to be able to, at least in the near term, you're not going to be able to, you know, perf- you know, be able to perform year after year after year and challenge for the title. But if you can get that coach that's able to get it maybe once every five years, maybe you're challenging for the college football playoff once every five years, that's a win for you at Auburn. If you can go 10 and two every season as an Auburn football program, that is a really good season, and you have to be okay with that, knowing that maybe one day you'll luck out and get that 12-0 and 0 season or whatever. I just think you're, you're, you're not appreciating and not understanding this, the environment in which you play until Alabama doesn't exist as a powerhouse, if that ever happens. Yeah, I mean, you, you said a couple of good points there. I, I, to me, it all goes back to money. One, right? Two, the Alabamas, that's that's kind of a freak thing. And I think we will see less and less, less and less of that going forward, especially with NIL and the transfer portal. No one wants to play backup anymore. So I can go play second string at Alabama and get a ring, or I can go to a 10 and 2 Auburn, a 10 and 2 Old Miss, and I can start and I can showcase what I've got and potentially draft and make money somewhere else, right? NIL is not going to pay the second stringer, but if I move to, you know, Oxford, I can get some deals down there. Money is going to talk. And so I think you'll see less and less of that. Trying to go buy the guy that's going to do 12 and 0 is unrealistic expectations. I completely agree. So Gus Malzahn was, was on the upward trajectory, I think. And 
you know, we've talked at length about how we, at least I don't think programs give coaches enough time to develop. So um, who will the next guy be? I don't know, but I think you're outside of your mind to think that Lane Kiffin's going to leave a program that has a lot of money. People that are like, well, they're not Auburn. Uh, dude, there's some old money in Mississippi, let me tell you. To leave an old Miss that went 10-2, and two, that has a high-powered offense, that has money, talent, recruiting, it just there's I don't even know how to explain like it just it's not happening. Yeah. The only way that it would happen for me is if Lane Kiffin gets fed up with the old miss program and he's already vented some frustration about fans showing up and and it would be a way to almost be the the stick in the in the ribs of Saban one more time but he already plays him the only reason that I can see him bouncing is because it's like survival of the fittest if I can get a new contract that kicks the can down the road another six seven years I am still a millionaire for a longer period you know so it's like hey okay I'm at Ole Miss. I'm doing good. I've got this contract, but Auburn's going to offer me more money over a longer time. I could see that. But again, if you're trying to win football games, I think he is nice and comfy where he is trying to make money. Okay. Maybe throw your hat into Auburn, but know that it's probably not going to pan out down the road or at least, or at least it's going to take a lot longer time to do that. So looking at, you know, Auburn who has, thrown away now over $50 million between Brian Harson and Gus Malzahn. Who do you think actually may be able to make a difference at that program? Yeah, there's a lot of good guys out there. Um, maybe, uh, oh shit, what's his name? Uh, Gus Malzahn. Definitely a step up in the right direction, right? No, no, oh, wait, uh, what's his name? Maybe go after Nick Saban or Damn Eagle. Your ass is grass. You hired some idiot, and now your program's going to pay for it. Uh, but I don't know. But seriously, there are a lot of good candidates out there. I think you and I both have one in mind. So enlighten us. I mean, if you go back and have we look at our conversation about Nebraska, it's probably going to be very similar. Um, you could say that Luke Fickle is definitely should yeah. be on your on, on your record. Obviously, Cincinnati not having the year that they did last year. Um, but you know, he's shown his propensity first group of five team to make the college football playoff. He's shown that ability to take a team, uh, that is certainly not seen as the, the, the top of the, of the world and bring them up to that level. So giving him a shot is probably, uh, not a bad idea. You got anybody else? Well, no, but I want to, I want to ask you this. Uh, maybe money withstanding here since he moves to the big 12 next year a big 12 team that is undefeated could get into the cfp uh, especially down the road when they expand do you leave a program that you have established you've made the cfp you're still ranked this year we know you're a good coach to go to a dumpster fire that is auburn that's you know i think nine and 12 under 
what's this nuts and try to regroup and start fresh. Now, money will probably say, yeah, hell yeah, I'm going. Auburn's got the money over Cincinnati. But do you risk your professional career to go to Auburn? Uh, my answer is yes. And this is why. Dollar bills. Not, not, not just for money. Because So Cincinnati is going to the Big 12. We don't know what the Big 12 is going to look like post Texas OU leaving. We don't know what that's going to be. I know what the SEC is, though, and it is the hardest conference to play in and keep a job in. So you leave Cincy where you can continue to thrive to go to the SEC, get your ass beat for two years, and then Auburn go, yeah, well, I'm tired of you too. That There's definitely a risk in that, but you're also leaving a Cincinnati program that's going to go to the Big 12, and you're leaving with a guaranteed W. And there's not many, too many opportunities, certainly within coaching, where you can say that. You are, guarantee, you are leaving a Cincinnati program saying, I took you from group of five and I make you, you know, into a premier conference. And, and your now, ass is an analyst in five years. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think you can, and then you say that and you say, all right, I did that. That's a W that gives me a big contract at Auburn. Then you go there and give it a shot and see what you can do. I, I think that is less risky than going to a big 12 conference that may down the road not even be looked as a power five. Well, let me tell you what old Dak would do. Old Dak would uh, Scott Frost his ass into retirement. I'd work my way from a UCF to a Nebraska, take that paycheck and go to the house, boy. So, I mean, but I get it. Pride's a different thing. You, you in your heart of hearts, think you're the guy, right? So, hey, at, at Cincy, I could do it. You give me the money, the resources, and the name of Auburn, I can get it done there too. So, I mean, I like Fickle to go. I don't know that he does, but, I mean, in my mind right now, at least there's a lot of changes coming at the end of this season. But uh, Nebraska and Auburn are obviously the two biggest seats to fill currently. I'll, I'll give you this question, though. Who is the better job to have? Nebraska I was going to ask you the same Auburn? thing. Was, yep. Um, so Nebraska is storied, but has been asked for a long time. Auburn is maybe as storied, but also in the SEC. I think the Auburn boosters are a different animal. When you go to Auburn, Alabama, there is maybe unrealistic expectations, as we kind of hinted to earlier. Um, I think your time is shorter at Auburn, so you better get it done or – be ready to go to the next gig. But I think probably Auburn right now, if you're looking A versus B, is probably the job to take just because of money allocation, resources, recruiting, and the conference that you're in. We're a little biased towards the SEC, but everyone here knows that. Yeah, I'm going to argue – I think I'm going to take the opposite position. I'm going to say Nebraska is a better a better gig. Not, But I'm not going to necessarily disagree with any of your points. Uh, I will say that Nebraska, from the booster standpoint, they are the only, I mean, they still hold the record for the most, you know, the number of sellout crowds at their stadium. They're over 100 games or whatever. Like, it, 
you are not playing second fiddle in a state for recruiting. Like you are getting every good person out of Nebraska is going to you unless they're a five-star in which they're going to go somewhere else. Um, Obviously you are not going to, you're going to have to pull recruits. You're going to have to, you know, a little bit of bottom of the barrel stuff. You're not getting Michigan. You're not getting Ohio state stuff. Um, in all at Auburn, you are second fiddle. Like you are not getting the best recruits out of Auburn, Florida, Georgia, Carolinas. You're just not. Um, and you got to be okay with that. Uh, so I will say, I think Nebraska has the most potential just because they've been bad for so long. If you came into Nebraska right now on next year and you were able to go eight and four, you would be like that, that fan base would get behind you. You do the same thing, which goes back to your point. You do the same thing at Auburn. You go first season, go eight and four. They are starting to put you that seat starting to get a little warm. Yeah. But same season in Nebraska, though, eight and four, we're cheering to the roof. But then when you go eight and four, seven and five in your building, because we haven't given you enough time to really see your recruits and your ability to recruit, shit's not so hunky dory anymore. So, I mean, that's the nature of the beast. That's the nature of a fan base that wants their team, that that's their biggest thing this time of year to win and be the team. Again, expectation management has a lot to do with it. It's just not going to happen. There's only one winner. Yeah. So moving from, I know we've we've talked a lot about last week and some of the news going on in college football. Uh, Moving on to the next week, we've got another amazing college football slate. Good lineup. Yep. And it is just nonstop. And it's tiered. You've got good games at noon. You've got good games at 2.30, 3.30. And then you've got great games at night kicks. So let's hit quickly on the obviously the two big games being Tennessee, Georgia, and uh, Alabama, LSU. Okay. Well, let's start with Bama, LSU as maybe like the second tier. And we already talked about that. Like that's kind of interesting to say that Alabama, LSU is probably the second most watched game this Saturday. Um, Alabama's not the team that everyone is used to seeing. LSU is peaking at the right time. This is – we've already said all these things. So, now we just got to lay the cards out and see where they lay. Um, LSU's defense is the real deal. Can they get it done on offense? And then, you know, uh, Heisman, hopeful, Bryce Young, will he be able to move the ball against said defense? The line's 13 to Alabama. Um, I don't know who wins this game and who is the, the West contender right now but I don't think this game is a 13 point differential. Yeah, uh, I think, and, and especially when you consider a couple things, it's night, the night kick in death Valley and the tigers are coming off of a bye. So they've had an extra week to prepare. Obviously Alabama, they were able to get stuff done at home against Mississippi state. To me, you have to look at this and say, this is going to be a shootout. This is going to be a one-possession game win. Like you said, LSU is able to peak at the right time. We will see how far they are able to peak, where if they peak too early, I do think that 13 is a little too high. And also, the total being to 59, this is an Alabama defense that, apart from everyone kissing the ass of Toe Toe, 
and the rest of the crew it has shown some weaknesses. I think that's a low total. I think the over is probably a good play here. Um, I don't know, dude. Um, you have not been so high on Will Anderson this year with LSU's offense not looking like the 2019 LSU offense. LSU's defense is pretty studly. Can they stop Bryce Young, who doesn't look like last year's Bryce Young? Um, I could totally see this being an under at 58. Uh, it's questionable, but I think I may lean towards the under. If this were like 60, I would definitely – I just don't see this as a shootout. I think this is one of those strategic games where it's yeah. tight, very tight, but probably under 58. So I think I'll take the under, and I, I think I definitely will take LSU to cover here. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you could definitely see that too, where it's LSU playing to keep it close, so they're going to play time of possession and – we shall see. Obviously, uh, they were able to put up points against Mississippi Ole Miss, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. So uh, let's move from there into what would be the game of the season so far, and that is depending on AP poll, number two, Tennessee against number one, Georgia, at a 3.30 Eastern kick. If you go by the college football playoff poll, it is number one, Tennessee against number three, Georgia. And right now, the line is looking at Georgia minus eight. The uh, over-under is 65 and a half. The disrespect, Hendon Hooker. You're still a dog by a touchdown. Number one in the nation by the experts. And you're down over a touchdown. This game, I mean, this I completely agree. This is the game of the season thus far. Maybe the game of the damn year. This is going to be a good one. I I have watched almost every game that these two teams have played. Tennessee looks like a better football team. There was no Georgia struggle against Missouri. There was no. Will we get it done? Tennessee has won with authority. They have the quarterback. They have the playmakers. They have the points. They have the stats. They they touch the ball. They score the football. Tennessee's the better football team here. And it's and how many times do we have to beat this dead horse? We go back on, well, Georgia's the defending national champion. Okay. Stetson Bennett, the 26, is not Hendon Hooker. I don't care who you are. He is the better football player. And so I'm going to put the ball in his hands. I think Georgia – I mean, yeah, I think Georgia does not cover – eight, eight and a half, wherever this line goes. Um, I cannot wait to watch this, but I, you know, I kind of, it's like a weird, weird feeling to me. And I'm not a SEC East guy that hopes Tennessee clutches this. Maybe it's my, my inner Peyton. I don't know, but I, th- I think they get it done, dude. Yeah, this one is, this one is tough to me. Uh, obviously eight and a half is an, is a, is a weird line. Cause when you look back at Georgia's schedule, They've handled every single game decently, except for Missouri. But then if you look at Georgia against the spread, they're batting 500. They're four and four against the spread. Now, granted, a lot of that is because their spreads were over 30 points, and that's just hard to do no matter who you are. When you're putting the four stringers in. Yeah, I agree. Stetson Bennett has not been a standout. Some people are like, this is who we thought he was. Some people are like, we thought he would be better. He's always kind of gotten that disrespect, mostly because 
he's a douche canoe, but um, I'm, I, I know I don't, I'm not right, quite sure because the Georgia defense is legit. I mean, they are absolutely able to get after a quarterback like Hendon Hooker, but they haven't faced a quarterback necessarily with the mobility of Hendon Hooker yet. You could say maybe in the Florida game and, you know, maybe that, you know, prepares them for this. They were able to, to get it done last week. So eight seems a lot. I really wish this was like a six, six and a half. And then I think Georgia's the easy play here. I also think the total's a little high. This is one where 65 and a half, 66, you're betting on seven touchdowns. I'm not sure that you can rely on Stetson Bennett to get that. And I'm not, not sure that Hennon Hooker against a defense that is not going to allow him to sit back there and, and chuck it up um, is going to be able to get that. I'm thinking I'm leaning maybe under here and then watch the game live and see if, if maybe Tennessee comes out and scores a lot early, maybe you can jump on an, uh, a Tennessee plus one or Tennessee minus one line on a live bet. I think this will be a high-scoring game. The way the Tennessee offense has the production they have, and then Georgia has not looked what we thought they would look like, but has still put up points. I mean, they put up 49 against an Oregon team. They put up 42 against an Auburn team, put up uh, 55, 48 against South Carolina. Like, their numbers are up there. They are getting the ball in the end zone. Um, Again, withstanding the the Missouri kind of weird game they are putting up points so if you take the the Hendon hookers going to score in about four milliseconds with Georgia getting it done I mean I might would lean towards the over but I think defenses are going to battle more so than they have maybe the previous in the season I think we're looking at like a 68 ish total but I'm not going to bet this scares the hell out of me. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to watch the hell out of it and I'm going to, I'm going to drink some beer. That's for sure. And speaking of beer, what a great, what a great transition. What a transition. Oh my gosh. Uh, So Dak, as before we move to the NFL and get disappointed yet again by a slate that just continues to be abysmal. What are you drinking now that we are, you know, a little bit, maybe an hour, maybe an hour and a half into this episode? Four hours. I don't know. We've been here a minute, it feels like. Uh, I'm going to stay local again. I'm going to go back to kind of something that's off the beaten path here. I have an orange creamsicle beer from New Province Brewing Company here in Arkansas. If you are a Drink and Think Nation fan, you know that Dak loves him some orange creamsicles. I do. Um, no one is really quite sure why. There's a couple theories out there, but go ahead. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll smash, though. 11 times out of 10. You hand me an orange creamsicle, we'll smash. Um, this one was disappointing from the sense that it was an orange creamsicle, but very good as a beer. Now, this orange creamsicle to me, I think that this beer was made with lactose. <clears throat> so just for you, lactose, 
is a non-fermentable sugar. So the yeast don't gobble it up and make alcohol, but it still does something to the beer. And what it does is that mouthfeel, Dave. Mm. So it gives you that mouthfeel. So it's extra creamy. So this beer is just like what you would think when you bite into an orange creamsicle. It's kind of that vanilla ice cream with the orange flavor, that orange puree, if you will. But it doesn't come off as orangey so much to me. It kind of comes off like tequila. I get like some agave. Interesting. Um, yeah. And maybe it's like the triple set kind of thing that you throw into tequila, you know, or into a yeah. marg maybe. Sure. Uh, so maybe that's the kind of notes I'm picking up, but it almost tastes like a crushable beer that someone threw a shot of tequila into, or, you know, like one of those margaritas you turn up a Corona into. I freaking love it. Like I would smash a sixer of this. You just need to take the wrapper off that says orange creamsicle because that's not what I got. But yeah, definitely a good beer. Probably will buy another one. A couple points. If I had a nickel for every time Dak talked to me about mouthfeel, that would, you know, I'd have a couple dollars, but I digress. Um, off the, when it off comes the show. To, when it comes to tequila, um, I have a theory that the only three things happen when you drink tequila. You get into a fight, you get naked, or both. I'm a both category. Yeah. That's why I stay away from it. Yep. No one likes no one likes to fight the naked guy. Uh, thank you, Rodney Carrington. And right. uh, <laughs> from there, we will transition. Rodney Carrington, if you want to sponsor the Drink and Think show with Dak and Dave, just let us know. We can know give you a, a thing. We, we, could, we could probably give you a, a spot every week. Uh, moving from there, uh, something that's not quite as disappointing or potentially more disappointing than Rodney Carrington's fall from glory is the NFL slate here on week nine. Jeez. Tough lineup. I mean, well, let, let's got- start here. I mean, I, I don't like any of it. I agree. But I think maybe a – well, it's not going to be surprising. It's going to be a blowout. But maybe two teams that are looking better than most are the Bills and the Jets. Um, maybe. I don't know. I I think the Bills dominate this. Uh, the Jets have looked like a much better Jets team. But but old Cougar man here, um, I think he needs a, a good lesson in leadership and humility. And, like, you have God-given athleticism and talent. Don't be so arrogant and cocky. Just just take it down a tone. Play better football. Play like contained, smart football, and you will go a lot longer. Just close your mouth sometimes. But I don't care who you are. You're not beating the Bills, especially next week with the Jets. Yeah, this one, uh, it, it's tough. I really wish New York – I wish they had the running back still – Obviously, that would have made this matchup a little bit more interesting. The Bills broke my heart last weekend, unable to cover against Green Bay. Scored 27 points in the first, or 24 points in the first half, easily covered the plus six. I took them on the first half spread, easily covered that one, took them heavy on finishing out the game, and they scored three freaking points in the second half. So on one hand, I'm saying... Buffalo and Josh Allen are going to come back and they're going to lay the hammer down on the New York Jets. But they're in the back of my mind, they're saying you thought they were going to do that against Green Bay and they didn't. I think it's a different look between 
an Aaron Rodgers Green Bay team that, yes, is ass right now, but can still find a way to get things done because of talent. I don't think the Jets can rely on that as much. They've got a they've got a hell of a tight end that's sitting on my fantasy bench right now that put up 25 points, but I digress. Um, I don't like spreads in the NFL that are wide, period. Yes. Because it's the NFL. So if there's double-digit points on a spread, I tend to avoid it because that's asking for an upset. Uh, but in Bill's news, did you see the running back trade? I didn't, Dak. Why don't you go ahead okay. and educate oh, us thanks. all? thanks. I shall. So breaking tonight, um, per Shefty, as usual, Naheem Hines is going to the Bills. So now they've got a ton of running backs, but Singletary will still be the number one dude, but now they're going to get that kind of ability to pass more so to Hines than they have. So I think he probably jumps into that two spot over James Cook, which – I think James Cook is a dude, and I think you, you know, as a, from a fantasy standpoint, you probably keep him for a couple of years, especially if you're in a dynasty or draft him next year. But I think his production may slip a little when, and and I think you're going to see Hines as the number two dude, and, and and really with the offensive weapons that the Bill has, seventeen, and you know, just they've got so many that they can throw the football to from from Josh Allen. You add a running back in there that can kind of slip out to the flats and then dump off to with Singletary smashing it up the middle, which he definitely did last week and has been looking a lot better. Uh, solid move, I think. So, Yeah, I think this one is the play for me from a betting standpoint is I'm going to take – I'm going to put this in a teaser. I'm going to put this in a six-and-a-half point or six-point teaser. I'm going to tease the under down to like a 41 – uh, 41 and a half. And then I'm going to take that. I don't like, I'm, I'm with you. 13 points is too much for me. Uh, just because there's so much that can happen that, you know, the garbage time touchdowns at the end when Buffalo's got their, their backups in, um, and then, you know, they don't cover and, and Buffalo this year has not been great against the spread four and three against the spread. So I'm thinking, put this in a teaser, get that total down a little bit lower. And then uh, I think that's a that's a pretty safe play. Um, I will say an interesting one for me uh, this week is the Green Bay Detroit game, and we've seen Green Bay obviously Aaron Rodgers just all kinds of trouble that's going on with that. We've talked about who has he got to throw to. Uh, Lazard was out last week. Money is heavy on Detroit here who has been really a disappointment uh, yeah. this year coming into the hard knocks. Everybody's watching them saying like, Oh man, we love what's going on. You got, you know, uh, what the team is going to be able to produce. And then they have come up short again and again and again, been able to put up points, but not being able to put it together. I think Detroit probably covers here. You know, this maybe this is another one you put in a teaser and you, you, you know, Detroit plus 10 points, maybe. I just don't see Green Bay able to really shut them out. I think Detroit hangs on like they did last week against Miami and, and maybe they're able to get it done. And if you're Aaron Rodgers and you lose to Detroit, is that the symbol that it, 
it's all over, buddy. So I I disagree. I think that Green Bay gets this done pretty easily. In fact, I almost picked this as my bet of the week. Um, but I, you know, we talked last week. I I kind of like the Lions. I think they have a good football team. They just kind of fell on some hard times. But again, I, I'm going to fall back on the talent aspect, and I think in a tough situation that Aaron Rodgers will win. Now, three and a half is kind of sketched to me because that's that like, you know, that hook will get you every damn time. And Down so, straight. if you know, if it was a little lower, sure. I was hesitant with the hook. I think they do get do get it done though. I think this is a five seven point win. I don't think it's close at all honestly but that's probably yeah. a good transition i said uh almost my bet of the week so i have a good bet of the week but let's hear yours first my bet of the week this week is uh going out there you know we got the new call of duty that just released right um oh. obviously we know that kyler murray has been on that non-stop meanwhile you got geno smith who has Stride. resurrected a Seattle Seahawks team that everyone just wrote off at the beginning. For cheap, of too. Oh, yeah. And let me tell you what. Seattle at Arizona started out as a minus four. Arizona getting four points. Excuse me. Arizona minus four. Seattle getting four points. It's down to Arizona minus two because 90% of the money is on Seattle covering here. I think Seattle money line, I think they get this done. I love There's, it. I have not seen anything out of Arizona that says that they're able to close it out. They are four and four against the spread. If you don't like that and you think it's going to be a super close game, I think I think Seattle goes in there and gets it done. I think it's a pretty uh, you know, wins by probably a touchdown or less, but still, um, yeah, I'm I'm going Seattle money line at Arizona massive massive dave huevos i commend you for that i'm not touching that game those are two middle of the road teams to me you've got one that had higher expectations that's not getting it done in arizona and you have one that wasn't really expected to do as much and is doing better maybe than they were expected in geno smith and the seahawks to me, this is a pick 'em game. You flip a coin, one of the teams is coming out on top. I'm not putting a nary dollar on this, but I can totally follow your logic and why that's a thing. And side note, you and I grew up on Modern Warfare 2. We we banged that out a many a day, and we should probably uh, sidebar this and see, you know, if we're getting in and downloading it and playing together. But yeah, I, I mean, I could. Uh, let me just tell you right now. There's only a few people in the world that have gotten jacked up more than Dak on Rust. And, You're hired uh, eagle nuts right now, I just boy. wore that ass out years of just abuse. I own that game. I didn't play – I played a lot of Xbox. I did not play a lot of other games besides literally that game. Well, I'll wear you out after this. All right, that's a wrap, folks. Uh, thanks for joining Drink and Think. We're going to play Xbox. No, I, I am looking forward to it. That's going to be a cool game. Um, I kind of already alluded to my pick of the week. I'm going to take that Tennessee-Georgia line, dude. I think Georgia does not just smack Tennessee right now. I think eight and a half 
I think Tennessee covers here. I think they've got the quarterback. I think they have the offensive production. I think they've got the hype. They've got the fans behind them. Like everybody is riding the Tennessee train right now. And I think that uh, they're within a touchdown. And so um, this is not one that I feel so safe about. Like usually when I'm like, oh, my pick of the week is such and such. I'm like, well, that's a freaking lock if I've ever seen one. And usually those are the ones that bust. So I'm, I'm, I'm weary just because of how prime time this game is. And when you put the crowd and you put the hype into it, anything can happen. I mean, this is, you know, like a rivalry game between a one and a three or a one and a two. If you're a, you know, crazy person and follow the AP right now, this game is going to be good, but I just, and maybe that's to my credit or to my point that because it is, because it is such a big game, it will be close. Eight and a half. I mean, that's that's a lot. So I'm going to take Tennessee to cover here. I think that's a pretty good lock. Follow suit. Yeah, I think Vegas is on your side here. We we're seeing about uh, about two thirds of the money and the tickets going towards uh, Tennessee. And and I think okay. you know, I think why not? If you're going to bet on which team has the potential, the high powered offense to keep it close, it's definitely on Tennessee. I know and the momentum and Stetson Bennett, everybody said, you know, we always doubt Stetson Bennett, but he just had like, yes, he was able to get it done, but the defense that Georgia had last year is the real MVP Stetson Bennett being, as I said earlier, the total douche canoe that he is. uh, I just don't see him as being able to keep up pound for pound with Hendon hooker. Uh, and so I, I, I'm, you know, I'm a writer till we die. I always take whatever your pick is and Hey, Hell yeah. if you, uh, just so everyone is aware, if you take our locks of the week, we are up, we are up by two units. And if you take like all of our total, some odd picks that we give throughout the episode, I'm up. I don't, I, I don't know about you, Dak but I'm up eight units just on the picks that I've given throughout the season so far on college and NFL. So I'm up eight units. So be that as it may, you know, use it as you wish. And, you know, let's earn some dollar bills this weekend. Yeah. I'm up 80 units. So, you know, whatever. 80. No, I'm kidding, dude. No, not even close. I do appreciate your ride or die. I thought you were going to say, like, if you take our picks on drink and think, if you do not get it, we will reimburse you or something. I was like, well, hold on. Where's he going with this? Hell no. I think uh, I think we're pretty solid, though. I mean, we did we did solid last week, and uh, stats are falling in our favor. So yes, the bookies aren't are. taking all of our money. We can, we can pay for our uh, episode next week. So there you go. That's right. So uh, in closing – this has been a lot of a fun, lot, lot of a fun. This has been a really fun episode. Uh, obviously, uh, we've talked a lot of beer. We drank a lot of sports, and uh, <laughs> we're looking good, you, boy. <laughs> we're looking good going into the weekend. But as we always do, we want to leave you with a with a safety brief. All right. When in life, you got to play the hot hand, right? Whether that's drink and think with their locks that are just performing at epic rates 
We are, we are earning money. You think inflation's bad? We are earning your money back to compensate with inflation. That's how good we're doing with our locks. You got to play the hot hand. You got to go with your gut. Kind of like the Cowboys, you know? You got, on one hand, you got a running back that can't do shit, but you're paying him a lot of money. On the other hand, you got a guy that got three touchdowns last week. You go with the hot hand and you play Tony Pollard. And now we're going to cut to the biggest Tony Pollard fan that's ever been. That is Dak. Go ahead, Dak. I have been repping Tony Pollard for over two years now. If we went back through text messages and looked at all the times I text you, I was like, Zeke is ass, put Pollard in. He is the ru- better running back. We could read through the script for this whole episode. He is that guy. Save your salary cap. Keep Tony Pollard in. Cut Zeke's ass. He can go eat a spoonful somewhere else. Go, you know, to the Lions or something. I don't care. Keep Tony Start his ass and let him earn that money because he is a stud. Every time he – dude, he breaks for 40, 50, doesn't matter. Touchdowns, got him. Tony Pollard is your dude. Start him in your fantasy. Put your money on him. Give him the over on rushing yards. Cowboys, listen to me. Your season will thank you. You have a great defense. Now feed the animal. All right, and what's feeding this animal is another beer. So I'm going to go ahead and – crush another one of these this has been a lot of fun i appreciate everyone joining us uh ride us on these picks i think we're doing the we're doing america service right now ride the picks let's have some fun it's going to be a good weekend of football we'll see you later yes sir zebra peace